Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my Houdat friends around the country saying, oh, no. What in the hell are you talking about, Jeff Duncan? Oh, boy. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times-Picayune, the advocate, and bet.nola.com. And this is episode number 49. Now, we've done so many now, I can't even remember or say the number. Maybe I'm just flabbergasted. Episode number 49 of Datitude. And we thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. Uh, Tuesday is basically my Monday. Not to bury the lead or anything, or that you care what day it is for me. But, uh, you know, I work like a half day on Saturday. I do a show on Monday, but... Basically, today is my Monday. And I woke up this morning. First of all, we missed a bus. And uh, had to scrounge the little one up, trying to make sure Jeff Duncan is good to go for data two this morning. I get in the car, and it kind of tells me what my day is going to be like, because this is what I hear this morning. Shock the monkey, Jeff Duncan. Goodness gracious. In case you missed the news. Sean Payton pondering retirement. Now, we heard from Ian Rappaport yesterday and Gail Benson that we don't know what Sean Payton's going to do, right? That's a lot different than Sean Payton's pondering retirement. He met with Mickey Loomis this on Monday. Okay. This is getting real now. I mean, usually when these things start getting legs, it's time to worry, boys and girls. Jeff Duncan will be coming on the show, as I said, in about probably five to seven minutes. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on my monologue. You don't want to hear me chirp. You want to hear from the man himself who knows what he's talking about. In fact, we were about to do the show this morning, and he's telling me, yeah, I just tweeted something out. It blew up. Um... I mean, just Jeff Duncan talked to, I mean, just Sean Payton talked to Mickey Loomis. What? Don't talk to me. Go write that story. Holy smokes. That is a story. And it's one that's going to have Saints fans uh, getting a little antsy. Hold on there, Dennis Allen. Don't get on that plane to Chicago just yet. We might need you back here. Because if Sean Payton were to retire, Dennis Allen is clearly the leading candidate to take over his position. We can talk about what might happen later on if Payton were to leave. I think it's the obvious. But, uh, yeah, shock the monkey, Peter Gabriel. That is literally the song that as soon as I turn on the radio this morning, 
put the little one in the back seat, turn the car on, get the heater going, and shock the monkey comes on. Apropos, we're going to talk about Sean Payton. We're going to talk about uh, the crazy. And, you know, I thought coming into the to today, really, through yesterday, even with all the Ian Rappaport stuff and what Gail Benson said, I'm like, okay, we'll talk about, I'm going to have Jeff Duncan on. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Sean Payton a little bit. But this news is ramped up for sure. So I thought we were going to talk about NFL playoffs and uh, the wildest, craziest NFL playoffs weekend I've ever seen, without a doubt. And you can pick a game or whatever, and some people are saying Bill's Chiefs' best playoff game or game they ever saw. I think that's going a little bit too far. Uh, we're going to get into that later. And after Duncan, we'll talk more about the playoffs with my take. The betting weekend, uh, the betting weekend that's to come, futures. We'll talk about some of that stuff, but I don't want to bury the lead. <laughs> I mean, insane. What what would happen next with this franchise? I mean, you know, it's one thing when you when you lose a Drew Brees because you you could see the end coming for years, right? I mean, we knew that was coming three years before it happened. Some people were wishing for it to happen. Some people say, I don't want it to happen. Some people say it was inevitable. Some people would say it happened at the right time. Whatever. We knew that was coming to an end. But you think about the coaches who are long standing in this league throughout your life even. I mean, this is almost akin to if you lived in Boston and Bill Belichick was thinking about retiring. Obviously, biggest news of the recent past, bigger than anything that's happened this year. Do I think he'll really retire? No. Um, you have to understand, for a 58-year-old man who's been here for, what? Uh, I mean, I'm no math genius, but a quarter of his life, a little bit more than a quarter of his life. He's been the coach of the New Orleans Saints. And um, to even be thinking about it means that it's probably coming in the near future at some point. I mean, we talked to Mike Dettelier a couple months ago about how long he thought it, Sean Payton could go. And I was, you know, kind of jokingly saying that, you know, he could coach for 15 more years if he wanted to. And Mike was like, no, 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 no. Mike said uh, a few months ago. In fact, just a couple months ago, really. I think it was right before Thanksgiving. Go back and find what episode that it was, but uh, he said he thought that Sean Payton would coach about three or four more years and ride off into the sunset. And now you have to wonder if it's going to be that long. But uh, I, it, I guess back the long-winded answer is I, I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's got too much left on this plate to do it. But now, I mean, sure it would shock the monkey. But I guess we have to start preparing ourselves for what the future might hold. And you think about where you were when he took over as the Saints coach. And how old are you? If you're 35 years old, you were a teenager when Sean Payton took the reins. My wedding anniversary is coming up next week. Um... I'm going to be married for 14 years, which is a miracle in itself that someone has put up with me that long. But my wife and I had 
I, we went on our first date, I believe, the week before Sean Payton was announced as head coach. It's, and I go back in time and think about how long that was and how many things have happened in my life, how many things have happened in your life, your lives since then. It's hard to imagine. You know, it's similar to if you were a Dallas Cowboys fan growing up in the 70s when Tom Landry was unceremoniously basically booted from the Cowboys. I mean, that was longer. He was coached for, I think, 27, 28 years. But how many coaches have coached one team for 16 seasons? I have not done the research, but it's not a lot. Especially in this time and and age. Again, second in tenure only to Bill Belichick. And not second by much. So, I mean, it's something I guess we all have to prepare ourselves for, whether it happens this year or whether it happens in the coming years. Um, Maybe he doesn't want to, maybe he doesn't like what he sees on the quarterback front. That's certainly a possibility, right? Maybe he's had talks with Mickey Loomis. Maybe part of the talk yesterday was, can we bring Russell Wilson here? Can we get Aaron Rodgers to come here? Can we get a real quarterback? No offense, Jameis Winston. But I can tell you this. If Sean Payton's trying to figure out whether it's going to be another season like this one, and he said, you know what? I'm 58. I just came back from Mexico. I had a lot of fun. I had some cerveza. You know what? I can go put my feet up for a couple years and come back to it later if I want. Not the Saints. But, and we'll get into it again with Dunk, but um, look, he's not going anywhere else. He's either going to coach the Saints or he's going to be riding on a yacht like Jimmy Johnson did or on ESPN or something. He's not going to be coaching the Bears or the Cowboys or anybody else. Not next year. That would force a trade. He is under contract through 2024. He will either coach the Saints next year, he'll be on TV, or he'll have his feet up somewhere on a boat or at Kenny Chesney concerts. One One of those options. It won't be with another team. And another thing that I talked about yesterday on our odds and ends show on bet.nola.com. He's not going to leave this team in the lurch. He loves this team and this city too much. He knows that now is the prime time for getting a coach, and whether it's Dennis Allen or someone else that's out there, a prime candidate, whether it be Brian Flores or Mike Zimmer or whoever else that's out there. He's not going to leave this team in the lurch. If he's going to do this, it's going to be within the next week. So you won't have to wait long. But it's a scary thought. Let's get into it with a man who knows better than anyone. Joining the Datitude podcast here on a Tuesday morning is Jeff Duncan, columnist for the Times Picayune and the Advocate. And uh, Dunk, uh, let's just skip all the pleasantries and get past the, uh, we'll talk about the NFL playoffs in a little bit. And I know I think you feel the same way I do about this being, uh, if not the greatest weekend of playoffs, certainly uh, top three in our lifetimes. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the news of the day. And I opened my podcast with uh, Tuesday's basically my Monday. And um, I wake up, little one's uh, late, 
Uh, we had we missed a bus. We got to get in the car. And the first song I hear when I turn it on is Shock the Monkey. And I think you shocked the monkey this morning when, I mean, we, we heard the news yesterday on the NFL Network, and then we hear Gail Benson saying, you know, Sean Payton's hasn't made a decision or however she put it. Um, his future, I guess he's waiting to decide his future. But when I read in a story, in the third paragraph of a story about Dennis Allen going to Chicago to interview, and I see the words pondering retirement, to me that changes everything. And then you say you talked with Mickey on a, in a tweet this morning. So I'm not sure what Saints fans are supposed to think. I'm not sure what I think. Yeah, well, J.D., I don't think anybody knows what's going on. Um, I've talked to a lot of people uh, inside the building, outside the building. Uh, no one really has an idea what's going on right now. And um, But I think there's something going on, you know. Now, whether it, it, it results in Sean Payton stepping down as head coach of the Saints, taking a year off, or it's nothing more than him just needing a break, and time to recharge his batteries to get ready for a long season, long off season ahead. But there's definitely some unusual uh, patterns going on. So, I mean, this just hasn't happened before where the saints have gone this long into the off season without having their coaching staff do their end of season personnel meetings. Uh, that always usually takes place the week after the season that's put off. Uh, there are coaches in the building that don't know what's going on. So, I think that alone tells you that this is an unusual situation. Now, does that mean Sean Payton's leaving? No, but it means something's going on that's leading people inside the building to wonder, too, about his status and, and his future. There is zero question that this has been the most, even the season that he didn't coach when he was suspended, this, this past season was the most unusual season, for certainly in the Sean Payton era, and one of the most unusual seasons in this franchise's history. Um, when you talk about what they went through, shifting from Drew Brees, the only thing this team has known for 15 years, uh, you find your quarterback who seems to improve as the season goes along, gets in the biggest game of the year to date. They beat Tampa Bay, but they lose Jameis Winston for the season and all the COVID issues and everything else. So one could understand if Sean Payton at 58 years old this season took an, um, it, just an unbelievable toll that I'm sure that neither you nor I nor anyone else can understand what it took out of them. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I think there's a couple things that need to be said. One, Sean Payton is a, you know, he's a little bit of a, a, a compulsive, obsessive compulsive personality, you know, and I think he would admit that. So he has a tendency to be very mercurial. Even the people closest to him would tell you one day to the next, you don't know what you're going to get with him. Uh, it's kind of a trait from a lot of brilliant people. Uh, you know, they're all in and they're all out. And it's just uh, something that's always been part of his personality. So these kinds of, of things are these situations where he's all over the place. It's not uncommon. So, you know, people close to him would tell you, uh, he, he goes through these phases. So that alone, you know, gives people time to just sit back and say, well, let's, let's Sean figure it out. And I think that's what's going on right now. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of people believe he's going to come back around. Uh, he just got worn down. He got burnt out. And he, and he just needs to come back around. I don't think it's anything more than that. But 
there is a side of him that, that I'm sure is contemplating, yeah, I've been doing this 16 years in one place. There's a belief in some coaching circles that, like, there's a 10-year rule. That's the, that's the kind of axiom. Uh, I think Vince Lombardi lasted about 10 years in Green Bay. Bill Walsh went exactly 10 years with the 49ers. Now, you can just go down the list. Historically, I think Joe Gibbs was 12 years in Washington. Most coaches don't last much longer than that one spot. Andy Reid didn't go that long in Philadelphia. I think he was 12 years in Philly. Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. Uh, it, it kind of is, uh, you know, a, a feeling that you get you start getting stale and your message starts getting stale. So maybe he, he's feeling that. He's been here 16 years. He's when you're removed from Drew Brees. Uh, the COVID pandemic has been tough on everybody. It's been two years of hard coaching. Um, maybe it's time for a break, a personal break. But what I can say pretty unequivocally, at least from the people I've talked to uh, that, that I trust, is that he's not considering leaving to coach another team. This is a decision that he would be making personally, contemplating whether he wants to take a break from coaching for a year. Maybe, maybe take a year off, do a little TV. Uh, he could do work out in L.A. if it were with Fox. That's where they film. His daughter's in L.A. Megan lives out there. Uh, you know, give him a chance personally to recharge the batteries and then get back into it. But that would be at the end of his tenure here with the Saints. The Saints would obviously have to move on. They'd have to hire another coach. And I think that's obviously a big decision because he loves it here. I know he's happy here. But uh, I think all those things are, are what's being presumably debated right now in his head. I want to get back to what would have to happen if he would be interested in coaching another team in just a minute. And I agree with you. I mean, he's under contract through 2024. Uh, he's not going anywhere else. Some team would have to make a trade a la the Raiders with John Gruden, and you don't see it very often, but it does happen, but it would, it's very, very rare. Um, but one thing I want to do is obviously people start speculating when these sorts of rumors come up. And the first thing that came into my mind when you talked about him talking with Loomis, uh, Mickey, um, is obviously you go into a room. My thinking is this. I think if he really is pondering retirement, he wants to know the question of, are we able to bring in a real quarterback here next year? Can we bring, can we try to, what are the chances that we get a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, who, whomever. But to me, if you're pondering retirement and you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to go through another year like this. I'm either going to retire or we're going to go all in. Do you think that's part of the conversation with Mickey? Can we even do this? Well, I don't really know. I mean, we're all kind of guessing, right? Of course. I mean, but, I mean, yeah, I guess they logically. Met, yeah, they could have met two hours yesterday and talked about his uh, time in Cabo San Lucas. You know, who knows? That's why it's, uh, you know, it's it's definitely, it's definitely we're definitely uh, uh, speculating here. But you would think they would have talked about some of that yesterday when they met on Monday. And I, I had somebody in the building mention this premise to me, which I think is plausible, right? Maybe the conversation was, look, where are we at organizationally? Uh, we know we're over the cap. We already had to purge last year. Uh, it didn't work all that well this year. Hurt our depth. When we had injuries. Uh, are we looking at a rebuild here? If we are looking at a rebuild, 
that's not really what I want to do. You know, that's not me in years. You're going to need somebody young, got energy, uh, that can get through this. Uh, and then maybe he does decide to take a year off. It might be good timing for the organization and for him. Or are we going to get back into this thing? Can we can we get find use our resources to get a quarterback? And we're going to go back, get back after it because we've got a roster ready, a playoff caliber roster. Then let's go get it. Maybe that was part of the conversation. That's just what somebody made to me yesterday that I trust. So uh, they don't know either. But that's that's a a, a pretty I think plausible um, presumption. There are very few teams in the NFL that came keep things as close to the vest as the Saints do. So obviously for the public to understand that it's not, you know, like you say, I truly believe there are, there's no one in the building that knows what the hell's going on either as, as much as anyone else. Um, and it's hard to, to figure out, but to me, that just seems like the most logical thing, exactly what you said. And I didn't just mean quarterback. I mean, cause I mean, theoretically, if you can build enough pieces around Jameis Winston, I think they can win. Um, they proved last year, the last half of the season that you can win with Taysom Hill at quarterback if you do it right. And so, I mean, if you got Jameis Winston in there and you got a real offensive line, who knows? But I agree with you. I mean, how how hard is it going to be? You know the the cap situation fairly well. What kind of spot do you think this team is? Do you think it's in a rebuilding situation? It seems to me it's a little better than last year, but not a lot. Yeah, it is better. I mean, they can get back under the cap. That's not a problem. It's a matter of what cost is that going to take. I mean, Teron Armstead, their left tackle, is going to demand a, a pretty sizable contract. Marcus Williams, the free safety, uh, is is he could be franchised again, but that's a big chunk of change that goes to him. They're looking at having to sign probably Marcus Davenport to an extension if they don't give him a new deal. Uh, he becomes a free agent after next season. And then once you enter into the equation, potentially getting a, 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 a elite quarterback, I mean, those quarterbacks don't come cheap anymore. They're $25 million. So, you know, the pie in the sky speculation that you might trade for an elite player like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, that comes with a price. I mean, they're not going to come on this roster uh, cheap. So then that has a domino effect on the rest of the cap. And I think all those things are what is probably being considered right now and how they build this roster. And to do it, I think Sean Payton knows, I think everybody in the Saints building knows, they've got to have a quarterback. All you had to do is watch these games this weekend and watch the level of play of these top quarterbacks in the league and realize the Saints are nowhere near that. And and to win a championship in this day and age, you got to have an elite guy there. There's no question. I mean, you look at what Tennessee did and um... – Tennessee had no business losing to the Bengals on Saturday and they lost because Ryan Tannehill couldn't figure out how to not throw an interception. Um, and Derrick Henry obviously was nowhere near what Derrick Henry is playing. So obviously you do have to have those players. Um, but you know, if you talk about quarterback, you have to sacrifice somewhere else and do you sacrifice your left tackle? Um, which is to me is probably the second most important position on your football team. I mean, so these are decisions that are going to have to be made. And obviously it's probably just the beginning of the process, but Sean Payton does have to talk with Mickey Loomis about this and where we go and where the puzzles start to fit. But 
I think you would agree that if he's going to leave this team, he loves this team and the city too much to leave them in the lurch for very long with all the coaching searches that are going on. He's going to make this decision if he makes it within the next week or so, wouldn't you think? Well, I would think so. I mean, uh, they got a, they're scheduled to go to the Senior Bowl next week. They do that every year. The, certainly, the scouting staff will be there, whether Sean Payton has made a decision or not. But the coaching staff usually goes, and Sean Payton usually goes. So I would think they need some kind of resolution or clarity on this situation before uh, they depart on Monday. Let's go back real quick uh, to the part about. And I, and I was reading some of the replies to your tweet because fans don't get this. They don't get a lot of things. But he's not just going to say, oh, I want to go to Dallas, and it happens. I mean, I, and that, you know, people, it's, it's not even his decision. Now, he can decide to retire if he wants, and the Saints can move on and release him from his contract, but he can't just go to Dallas. If he wants to go somewhere else, the Saints would either have to grant him permission to go somewhere else or they would have to trade him. They're not going to just release him to go anywhere else. I would seriously doubt. So the chance of going, him going somewhere else has got to be in the under 5% range. As I understand it, that's not even a consideration. I think the, 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 what Sean Payton is contemplating now is, do I need a break from coaching? So going to another team isn't solving that. That's actually probably making it harder. Uh, so I don't think that is what he's considering, I think he's considering taking a break, recharging my batteries, and then getting back into it in a year, maybe two years. I mean, uh, we all saw his mentor, Bill Parcells, did this. And I don't know this, but I guarantee you, if there's anybody he's confiding in at this, it's Bill Parcells. No question. Uh, that's one of the people that I know he trusts. And Bill Parcells never stayed anywhere other than the Giants longer than three or four years. And, and so there could be just a, a point of, Hey, you just turned 58. That's, you know, that's not ancient, but you're getting up there to where if you want to take a break, it might not be a bad time to do it. Uh, take a year or two off, and then you can get back in at 60 and still have another run somewhere else. If you do that, uh, that's about the right time, you know, in your life. So I think all these things are being, uh, you know, being bandied about him. But going to the Cowboys or the Bears, as far as I know, and, and I've talked to a lot of people, J.D., a lot of people close to Sean, uh, that's not what we're talking here. And, and even if it was something that another team reached out, they'd have to – Mickey Loomis isn't going to let Sean Payton, the greatest coach in history, walk away without compensation. He's going to demand multiple first-round draft picks for that. This would go back to a situation like Bill Parcells, uh, you know, in, in – in New York, uh, he's going to want multiple picks. And that, and you no, know, that came up back in 2016. I wrote about this in my Peyton and Breeze book where the 49ers and Rams were interested. And there was some back channel communications going on uh, about Sean Payton at that time, potentially leaving. And the reason those teams really didn't pursue him was because they knew they were going to have to give up a lot of draft capital to get him. And they thought, well, you know, why do you want I can go get Sean McBay? For free. And if you think about it from the other team's point of view, uh, yes, yeah, Sean Payton's a Hall of Fame coach, but, uh, you know, you can find a, another really good coach without giving up draft capital. It kind of it kind of factors into that equation pretty heavily. Unquestionably, we'll be wearing a gold jacket someday, uh, without a doubt. Um, Jeff Duncan here in the Datitude podcast, uh, we're talking about the Saints coaching situation, which uh, 
we haven't had to talk about in quite a long time here, but I, I would say, I mean, b- before we, I mean, I want to do, I do want to talk about Dennis Allen for a minute, but uh, let's just, let's just put a percentage on it. I mean, I'm going to give you mine first and you can tell me where, I mean, I think that there's an, I mean, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I would have said there's a 96% chance that Sean Payton is the coach of the, of the saints next year, but I guess now you got to lower it, but I still think, when, when you sit and, and think about what you might have to do, I think things w- would have to go every, you know, a lot of things that everything has to go right. I think everything would have to go wrong for Sean Payton not to want to come back after he sits and thinks about it. What's the chances? I'm I'd say 85% that he's back next year. Uh, I'm not, I'm not nearly that certain. Uh, I think it's more like 50, 50 right now. Wow. You know, I think, uh, I think, it's so up in the air. I think when Gail Benson was quoted yesterday, uh, her I think that was pretty – she was being candid and honest. I don't think she knows, and I think the fact that the owner doesn't know says a lot. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people out there that are in that building that are wondering what's going on, and that's never happened before. So I, I feel like it's a, a serious situation, but it won't surprise me at all if he walks in today and says, hey, I'm back on board, let's meet, and let's start going. That's just how Sean is. So it's just hard to really speculate. I, I know people get frustrated and they wonder back and forth about where this thing stands. And I'm telling you, nobody really knows. And no one, and including probably Sean Payton, as much as he's probably bandied this thing about, um, I think he's doing the right thing, though. Being OCD like he is, I think taking time, not making an impulsive decision on something this big is the smart thing to do. And I think we should know something by the end of the week. I'll be surprised if this thing drags into next week. The difference between when you and I first got in this business and either the, you know, around 1990-ish, uh, what is there was no social media. There were no podcasts. I mean, the, the, you had radio shows, which a lot of times we weren't even allowed to, to do back in, in the old days. Um, you know, it had, we had to get permission to go on talk on a radio show back in the day. But uh, everybody wants to know now, now, now. Um, and it's just not something that that we could do. So, but I mean, all, all that's left for us talking heads to speculate. Yeah. I mean, it's in the, you know, we didn't have these national uh, information right. reporters like, like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter that are wired in with the agents. And, uh, you know, it's a whole different world. And I fully expect that, uh, you know, one of those guys end up breaking the story just because of the way the world works with the agents uh, and the back-channel communication that goes on at the highest level. So we'll all just wait and watch. And I think along with the fans, a lot of people out in the Saints operation are doing the same thing. Could you imagine uh, Tim Ellerby back in the day if you got beat on a story like that? The yeah, former sports editor at the time, Spicune. I mean, but now it's almost expected, right? I mean, it's just that we, I mean, we can't, we can't beat with the agents and the, and the money and all that stuff. No, I mean, what people don't understand is that most of the top information reporters now in, in, in all leagues, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, they're represented by the same agents that represent the players. That's right. So if you think about it, it's in their best interest, the agents' best interest. Right. For those, their own reporters that are now making millions of dollars. Right. I mean, they're making seven-figure salaries. It's insane. It's in their best interest for their 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 clients to break the news. It makes them more valuable to the networks, which in turn 
puts more money in the pockets of the clients and in turn, the agents that represent them. So this is a, a cycle uh, and it's very difficult to break. Where did we go wrong, Don? Yeah, well, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for those guys. So do I. I don't want to live their lives, man. They work around the clock. They earn that yeah. seven figures. Uh, they don't have days off. They work literally till midnight every night. I, I just, I don't know how they do it, but I have great respect for it because I know how hard they work. You know, when you see uh, Adam Schefter on a show or whatever, he's got like two phones in front of him and he's like, when he is not the one talking, he's constantly banging away on his phone, even on the show, because he doesn't even have the time off to do a 15 minute show. It's insane. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're unbelievable. I mean, Adrian Wynowski, uh, also my, my good friend, Pete Thamel, that just got hired at ESPN, you know, to cover college football and break news college football. I mean, I'm, I'm personal friends with Pete and I can tell you there's very rarely am I out with him that he's not on his phone. Um, connecting and I'm not talking about connecting with the head coaches. He's on the phone with assistant coaches, grad assistants, support staff, uh, agents. Uh, you know, it's amazing the network of, of sources he has and it pays off. He's wired in, but man, it does take a toll personal life. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, I know. I just, you know, you go through the, I went through, I'm not going to get into the details, but the whole, just in my small little world of Hank Tierney taking the job at Shaw and what I went through for a weekend to get that story. I mean, even though I'm not in the high school world anymore, I thought it was important that we broke it at the, at the times. It was, um, so in my small little Hank Tierney world, I can't imagine what those people go through on a daily basis, 24 hours a day, getting little sleep and waking up and finding out what the next story is. It's, it's, it's a rough life. Um, along those lines, if you're Dennis Allen right now, are you, I mean, obviously he would be the clear front runner to, to get this job if Sean Payton were to leave uh, or retire or whatever. Um, if you're Sean, if you're Dennis Allen and you're going on to, you're going to Chicago, I mean, what are you thinking as you go and take this flight and have to go interview? Well, first of all, I don't know if he's even flying. I think he might be doing this thing virtually oh, okay. right okay. now. Okay. But, but the point is, your, your point's still valid. If I'm Dennis Allen, <laughs> I don't know what you'd do. I mean, here you've got the Chicago Bears, the Blue Blood franchise, potential to lead that franchise. Uh, now, there's 11 candidates. He's in a deep pool of people. But uh, he would be probably the – well, I don't say probably. He would be the definite front runner to replace Sean if – Sean stepped aside, stepped down. Uh, now the Saints would have to conduct a coaching search. I mean, the right. NFL requires that. Right. They'd have to have, you know, an extensive search. The Rooney rules Rooney require rule. them That's to right. interview at least two minority candidates. So this thing wouldn't happen overnight by any means. Uh, but I think Dennis, somebody would have to come in and knock the socks off the Saints to, re- to beat out Dennis Allen for this job. And I know he knows that. But he also knows that Sean is mercurial, like I said. So he's got a lot of big, important decisions hanging in the balance right now with his career. So it's a very uh, uh, probably unusual position to be in right now. And I think he's just got to go forward thinking it's status quo here. And uh, if he gets uh, another opportunity for a second interview with the Bears, I think he's got to take it. Uh, Because I don't think that thing's going to get resolved anytime soon. So I I would imagine this – Peyton's situation will get resolved before the Bears head coaching search gets solved. Meanwhile, if your other 
if you're uh, a head coach that just got released, like a Brian Flores, who I think is, that was one of the most shocking firings uh, in recent memory, an insane, just moronic fire. There's no other way to put it. Why do you fire a coach like that? Um, a young coach off the Bill, Bill Belichick tree. If you're another coach somewhere and you're like, wait a minute, the Saints job might be open. I mean, you might start saying, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I know you take a job when you, when you can get it. You get an NFL job when you can get it. But, man, that's got to open some eyes around the, the league of the Mike Zimmers and the Brian Flores of the world. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, this has become a destination franchise. Uh, but the one thing I would say, and I think we know this as well as anybody, uh, you know, the, the, the Saints are different than they were 20 years ago. They are very much a status quo, stability, uh, rules kind of organization. And I think they value that stability. Uh, I know they do. So I would think they would love to have somebody internally promoted if Sean were to down just because they like, they know it's successful right now. The machine is running and they would like that familiarity. Uh, so I would think it would, it would take somebody to come in and really blow them away in an interview for it not to be an internal candidate. All right, let's move on. Um, before we get to the NFL playoffs, there is something I want to talk about for just a second, because that's really all, all it deserves. I wasn't a fan of his when he was here. Um, I've never been a fan of his. I don't think he's a very good player, to be honest, just to be flat honest. And I probably wouldn't have said it like that, but now I can say it. Eli Apple, you don't like New Orleans? Well, guess what? We probably didn't really like you all that much either. Uh, all these tweets, in case people have missed it and don't know what I'm talking about, um, Eli Apple, who tweets probably like he texts, uh, just run on sentences that don't make a whole lot of sense, says he doesn't like New Orleans. He doesn't like the food here. He doesn't like the people, and it's a dirty city. Um, what would prompt someone to say that on, on social media? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's just not very smart. I can't imagine that, uh, you know, Zach Taylor and the Bengals executives are happy about that. I mean, what are you doing? You're in the middle of the, the right. AFC championship preparation and you're creating a, a firestorm. But I think it also might just be, uh, you know, we're in New Orleans. We're very tribal down here, very provincial. You don't say anything about our city. And it could just be a firestorm here, and it's not that big a deal everywhere else. But uh, it didn't make a lot of sense, and he was definitely getting dragged around by the Saints Twitter uh, verse. Uh, that, that's not very smart. And I don't know where he's eating or what his taste is in food, because if he doesn't like New Orleans food, I mean, I've got deep distrust of his tastes in general. Uh, I mean, because that's the one, the one thing you can never say about New Orleans is the food is unbelievable here. You can I mean, say what, what you want. What's he doing? Eating you know, Applebee's or something? Yeah, I know. I mean, you can't. We can't fill potholes. We can't synchronize lights on Canal Street. Uh, you know, we we can't pick up the trash. But damn, we got great food and culture. And if you don't recognize that, then I don't care if you if you don't like it or not. And, you know, some people don't get New Orleans. I, I'm sure you know that. Like some 100%. my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law was a gated community guy. You know, liked playing golf at his country club. He couldn't handle it here. He just didn't didn't like it that much. Uh, my my sister, on the other hand, loves it. She loves art. She loves everything about the city. So some people don't get it, and he is definitely a guy that uh, uh, obviously didn't get New Orleans, and we don't get guys that don't get it. That'd be like someone, you know, if you can have a conversation. I don't know. I'm not going to say anything 
bad about it, but you know, if you have a problem with Mayor Cantrell, but if someone from Seattle says something about Mayor Cantrell, look, me and you're going to be uh, fighting a little bit. Exactly. Family. New Orleans is family, you know? So, but, uh, you know, I almost feel like JD, like I'm pretty much adopt this, this philosophy with social media, uh, you know, ignore the hecklers, man. I always feel like, you know, you go to a comedy show and there's 12,000 people in the crowd and there's two guys in row two that are heckling the comedian, just ignore them, you know, just ignore them. I, I'm, I feel like uh, we sometimes show too much attention to, to the trolls. And, yeah, maybe and that's just, what he wants. I feel like, I feel like Eli Apple won because uh, he was trolling everybody, everybody, um, yeah, everybody reacted that way. He's about to get trolled by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that, that's uh, we'll we'll go exactly. in Tyreek Hill. So let's uh, let's go into the NFL playoffs. Um, I I'd like to get your take on. Do you agree with me? And, and I'm a, I'm an old I'm an old bird. So for me, I'm not a lot of. I'm, I'm very. Uh, I don't like to go on. This is the number one thing. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That gets used way too much. Even when you talk about stuff like the GOAT, Tom Brady, I mean, you know, 90% of the world thinks he's the GOAT. I personally don't, but it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to put a label. But when you talk about this NFL playoff weekend, by God, I think this was the best weekend of football that I've ever seen. Yeah, it's hard to top it. I, I haven't seen it like this. I mean, that game – uh, between the Chiefs and Bills uh, is going to be historic. I mean, that's going to go down in history. It reminded me a lot. I tweeted that. Remind me of that Saints 49ers game. I know it's a, kind of a tough memory for a lot of Saints fans. And oh, no, I remember. <laughs> it was an unbelievable game. You know, it was a, just an unbelievable back-and-forth finish, uh, epic, epic play. And I really, you know, I know a lot of people have been criticizing the defenses in that Bills-Chiefs game, but when you have elite quarterbacks like that, when they're dialed in the way they are, they're any defense going to slow them down. I mean, especially the way the rules are played today. There was a little bit of questionable maybe scheme by the Bills, very soft in that uh, those last 13 seconds. That I guess you could question that. But those two quarterbacks were playing on such a high level. Uh, it was epic theater. And the fact that all these games went down to the wire the way they did, uh, I don't know if we'll ever see anything quite like that again. It was, it was unbelievable. You want to talk about the Bills Chiefs and the ending. I've had I've had so many conversations about this in the last 24 hours. But uh, here here's a couple things that 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 really stick out. And if I were a Bills fan, these would be the two things that I'd be most ticked off about. Uh, first off, why don't you squib the football, right? I mean, I and I guess the short answer is you're afraid that Tyreek Hill's going to beat you, and people then would say, why don't you kick it off deep? I mean, is that the answer? Well. Tony Dungy made a good point on that, and, and and I agree, but he said most receiving teams are instructed on a squib like that. You go up, field it, and immediately take a knee and give yourself up. So he said it probably would only save them one second uh, because they would have done that. Now, it depends where they field it, too, you know? Right. If they field it at the 15, that certainly helps. They field it at the 35, then you save one second to give up 10 yards or something. So. It's a tough call on that, but I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as everybody thinks after listening to Coach Dungy. Here's the second thing that, and I never really thought about this, but I heard three people say this yesterday. One person who is um, uh, a leader in the in the gambling world, I guess he's he's actually relatively unknown, but he's just 
the the thought process of this guy is just brilliant. I mean, I think, I think he'd beat everybody in chess. But um, he says, why don't you, okay, so you don't squib it, you give it to him with the 25. Why don't you just instruct your players to hold every receiver and drag them down at the line of scrimmage and take your five-yard penalty, and that runs another three, four seconds off the clock, and then they're forced to throw a Hail Mary. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen that happen before, right? I think what you run the the concern would be there is if somehow he throws the ball when you're holding, then it becomes a um, you know pass interference. But I guess if you're doing it right there at the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter. I I, I think there's definitely room for criticism on how they how they played that at the end. You know, it's funny. Greg Williams gets all kinds of grief yes. for how they played the 49ers, yep. and of course he got fired because he was aggressive at the end of that game, cost the Jets. Yep. But I actually lean more towards his style at the end. Keep playing man-to-man. Go after the quarterback. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes you're going to lose a game like that, and it obviously hurts to lose it that way. But keep being aggressive because you sit back in that zone, and look what happened. I mean, they got burned. And, and, you know, it was just brutal. And that's what happened to Todd Bowles, frankly. Todd Bowles sent a slot blitz against the Rams, and it didn't get home. And they ended up with Antoine Winfield, a, a, a safety one-on-one with Cooper Cup, and it got burned. Uh, you know, so maybe you have a different scheme to where you don't end up with your safety on a on a corner. A cover, you could have a cover two blitz of some sorts. Yeah, there's just you know, I like being aggressive in those situations because, in my opinion, Leslie Frazier uh, definitely uh, was too conservative there at the end. And it, and look, the Bills have the number one pass defense in the entire league. Number one, you know, they're, they're yeah. elite on the back end. So let, let's get aggressive and, and force them to get – and I realize a guy like Tyreek Hill, we saw what happened with him. I mean, that one play where he went 64 yards, all it took was him to get one yard of separation. And that guy is such an elite playmaker, he took it to the house. So it's, it's easy to question in retrospect, but um, I'm not sure there's a, a perfect way to defend the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. Jeff Duncan here on the Datitude podcast. Duncan, also, if you, I mean, if you think back to me, the greatest mind, defensive mind in the history of this franchise in New Orleans is Jim Mora. And Jim Mora frequently was criticized for a, a prevent defense in games that, the, you know, I mean, the Saints, frankly, blew games here and there. They, to me, they blew the, the Philadelphia playoff game, uh, I believe in 92. Two or ninety-three or whatever year that was, with the same year that the Oilers blew a thirty-five to three lead. Um, but so even the greatest defensive minds can have lapses, and I consider Leslie Frazier one of the top defensive minds in the NFL. I mean, that may end up costing him a head coaching opportunity. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It could. I hope it wouldn't. I hope you would take a bigger picture view of that. Uh, than that, but it's certainly recency in people's minds. It's certainly not going to be good. Uh, and I, look, I think I, I think the Bills and the Chiefs are two of the best coach teams in the league. Uh, so, I agree. You know, there, there's a little room for criticism there, but I mean, th- these are just elite offenses playing at a high level. And uh, I have to admit, when when they scored with 13 seconds left, I thought the Bills had won. I just didn't see any way with that defense as talented as they are that they would give up. But, you know, the first play, J.D. That's the big the, one to me. The defensive back fell down. You know, yeah. he fell down. People were falling on that field a lot, and it just was bad luck. If he doesn't fall down, they tackle him inbounds. You know, there's 
there's, you know, that it had to work out just perfectly for the Chiefs to have a chance. Well, they had three timeouts, so, but, but yeah, no matter where you, you tackle them. The Kelsey play, I mean, it bothers me if I'm a fan, but Kelsey's, I mean, the rapport that he and Kelsey, that he and Mahomes have probably is as great as, as Brady and Gronk, right? I mean, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, those guys, they go play golf together. They, they almost live together. They're like best friends. So you could see a play like that, but the first play was the one to me that if you're a Bills fan, that would bother me. You basically just gave them 20 yards. You send four receivers to the 20 yards, and they stop and turn around, and whoever's open, Mahomes is going to find them. So, I mean, that's the one that bothered me the most, I guess, if I was a Bills fan. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk all the time about Saints fans and the heartbreak they've endured. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't compare to the Bills. <laughs> you know, I agree. They've been – they went to the Super Bowl four times and lost, including the last second four in a row. field goal that missed. Yeah, in a row, and one was the last second field goal that they missed, and then we saw what happened, uh, you know, on Sunday. Vikings back in the day, they had plenty of shares of heartbreaks. They lost four Super Bowls. They've also had some uh, some moments in playoff history, uh, losing to the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. Um, so, I mean, there's all sorts of things that have happened to other teams. Saints are the only ones to, to find heartbreak. Um, the other games, you know, it's hard to believe that after you, if you would have watched Saturday's game, Saturday's games and think that these, neither one of these games are, I mean, if I had to rank them, I'd put the, the Bucks comeback, making that a game, probably the second best game of the week. It's hard to believe you could watch Saturday's games and think you'll have two better games tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought I thought Joe Burrow kind of that was Phenomenal. his statement game, right? I mean, we, he's arrived on the scene now. If you doubted it before, you certainly don't now. He was the better quarterback in that game, and uh, you know he's he's a winner. Really, we all know down here in Louisiana what kind of transformative talent he is, and uh, you know I'm patting myself on the back because I I called out the Bengals before the season. I said this is a team that people are sleeping on. JD, their t- win total over under before the season was six and a half. I, I, I wrote a column saying that's I find a team every year that's on the way up, and they were it. They destroyed that, and uh, uh, they're even better than I thought they were. Uh, I knew they were going to be better on defense. You know, getting guys like Trey Hendrickson, Larry o- o- Ogunjobi, they they built up that defense, and uh, I think they're up against it against the Chiefs. But that's okay. They've made incredible progress this year. And then I also called again. I'm, uh, humble bragging here. Please do. I I'm about that, to do the same thing. I called that 49ers game. I mean, I, 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 I you did. wrote a column about it. I, I felt like the Niners, whoever won the Niners-Cowboys game, I thought was going to go far. I thought either one of them was going to beat if they played. I don't know if the Cowboys would have played the Packers, but I felt like either one of them was going to make a run. That's a tough matchup for the Cowboys. I know they got a lot of criticism for how they handled that, but that was a tough matchup. The, the Niners are playing well. As I pointed out, they've beaten the now in the last six weeks they've beaten the Bengals, the Rams, the Cowboys, and the Packers on, on the road. Won six or seven games. I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, they, now, it won't surprise me the Rams beat them, but um, they're, they're playing as well as anybody in the league right now on both sides of the ball. Well, it took me a little bit longer than you, but um, I bought a ticket on the Bengals in October. Uh, and I wish I would have put more than ten bucks on it because uh, if the Bengals win the Super Bowl, a ten dollar ticket's going to give me fifteen hundred bucks. That's huge. So uh, I'm, it probably would have been twice that much 
a month earlier. It would have been uh, a little. It would have been two hundred to one just three weeks before that. So, I wish I would have. I wish I would have put twenty bucks on it. I mean, but you can't be greedy. I also have a ticket on the the Niners and Rams. Rams I put on before the season. So uh, it's anybody but KC for me um, at the at this. You point. can hedge on that too. You, you can, you but uh, I'm waiting for the season's app to open because uh, the the place where I. I guess I could go drive across the the bridge and go to Harris, but the the place where I uh, usually do it, you wouldn't believe it. KC is plus one thirty to win the Super Bowl at Caesars. The place I use is minus one eighty. So they're like saying you ain't oh, betting on God. Kansas City here. So <laughs> I can't hedge with 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 that one. Yeah, yeah, that's you're right because they're going to be the favorite, so it hurts you. Yeah, they're they're going to like, they're basically not going to let you let 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 you hedge. Um, all right, well, let's look at look this weekend. You kind of alluded to it. Um, I think we're going to have two really good games again. I really do. And I know that a lot of people think that Bengals-Chiefs is going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be a good game, and not just because the Bengals beat them a few weeks ago. That was a different game. The Chiefs look – but I'll tell you what. Here's what if, – if you're just willy-nilly going to say uh, you can't make the spread high enough, I don't think people can fathom what last week – this past week's game took out of those Chiefs. I mean, they put everything they had going into that game. They knew they were going to play the Bills. They didn't have to put much in the Steelers. It was basically like a bye week. We knew that was going to happen. But And they came out and played like that in the beginning against the Steelers, like they weren't even thinking about them. They put everything they had into beating the Bills. And Cincinnati's been basically playing like they had to play the playoffs for the last month. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me sometimes like an insulate tournament where, you know, the men's tournament where you get the final four and you have like one matchup is like two elite teams and they grind each other down and then they get the team that survives loses the championship game because of what took it took out of them in the semifinals. So I, I agree with you. I think this, last year. it's all going to come down to K- – yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's it all going to come down to KC and how – dialed in they are. Now, they're playing at home. That's an incredible environment. If you've ever covered a game at Arrowhead, I mean, it's electric. It's the only thing that rivals, in my mind, uh, the Superdome. I mean, the fans are unbelievable there. And then the other thing, I think, just tactically, X's and O's wise, is can the Bengals block up front? I mean, we saw how beat up Joe Burrow's gotten in these games. Uh, You know, it's one thing to get beaten up against the Titans with Ryan Tannehill, you don't have to really get up in the 30s to score to keep up with them, but you're going to have to score against this, uh, you know, KC team the way they're operating right now. Uh, they're firing on all cylinders. So uh, I could see the Bengals keeping this thing nip and tuck, and I could also see them getting blown out. I don't think yeah. either one would shock me because of some of the concerns I have with, with being able to protect Burrow. Yeah, it's a tough one to pick for sure. I'll, I'm going to start working on my handicap later today. But what's I the mean, line, JD? I don't it is know. seven. It is a KC by seven, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if it goes to seven and a half at some point because Ann Mabel and Drunk Joe are certainly going to bet on Kansas City. So uh, it's yeah. seven right now, and it would not surprise me if it goes to seven and a half. But your analogy about March Madness, I mean, you, people forget. I mean, Gonzaga had that that to me they were the overwhelming favorite to win last year, right? And they get into this. This, they got to play this UCLA team that's that's just feisty and won't quit, and and they have to go into overtime to beat them, and then they go against this Baylor team that's just kind of had their way with teams, and they get blown out in the national championship game. So I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, no, I mean it, 
my my memory goes back being a Louisville guy to yeah. Louisville Houston five slam a jam against the yep. doctors at dunk. It was labeled as like the game of the century. And it was an unbelievable game. Went down to the wire. Houston wins. And then they get in the national title game against NC State. NC State. And they were flat as a pancake and got upset by Jim Valvano. That's the one I always think of because they just they were spent more mentally than anything else. 1983. You were just a, just a young whippersnapper back then, right? Oh, yeah. I think it was like two. <laughs> right. Uh, Jeff Duncan here on the Data 2 Podcast. And you look at the NFC, and I, and I think we always talk about the third time playing a team is tough. Um, we saw it last year with the Saints and Bucks, but, you know, really, the Saints don't turn the ball over four times, they win the game. If Jared, in fact, they could turn it over three times. If Jared Cook doesn't fumble, they probably win the game. Um, so, it, we, I think we've gone back and and we did this last year that that's not always the case that the team that that won the two previous times I think actually wins most of the time in the third game as well right yeah statistically historically uh you just have a matchup issue I mean this the thing even more compelling is it's I think they've won six in a row overall yeah six in a row between Cal Shanahan and Sean McVay. So I think there's clearly something there inherent, just like the Saints Bucks. Uh, there's an inherently an advantage in, in personnel and scheme that the Niners have. And uh, but I have to say I was very impressed with the Rams uh, on Sunday. I thought they I thought the Bucks would steamroll them. And they completely turned the tables on me. And the fact that they were able to recover after losing that lead the way they did and still win that game, that was impressive. Now can they you know, run it back. They're going to be at home. But the last time they played at home against the Niners, the Niners had as many fans there as the Rams did. So, you know, I don't sure there's going to be that much of a home field advantage. And it's really going to come down to, you know, which quarterback plays better. And Garoppolo hasn't played spectacularly. I know his numbers weren't great against Green Bay, but if you watch the game, he had a bunch of balls. He threw right on the money that got yeah. dropped, including one by George Kittle, who's as good as you can get. Uh, his numbers suffered because his, it was freezing cold. It was like 10 degrees, ball out. as hard as a rock. Yeah, right. But, I mean, it wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo playing bad. It was, you know, I thought he do, he's doing what he needs to do in that in that offense. And the, they're just so well coached. And we saw them win a game with special teams. They're a complete team. They remind me so much of the Saints in so many ways in that you look at them and you're like, oh, they're not that great, but just go beat them. They're not easy to beat. I don't want to, you know – Pat ourselves on the back here, but oh, I will anyway. Cashing in, in the cashing in with Carvel segment uh, and contest, you know, you're nipping on my heels, so I don't want to give away uh, any of my, my picks yet. I don't even know what my picks are yet anyway, but I'm like 30 games over 500 against the spread, and you're only like three or four games behind me. So when Duncan and I pick the same pick, you really need to go bet on it because it's, it's a good chance that it's going to happen. Um, that being said, I mean, to me, the story of the playoffs – and as good as the Chiefs-Bills game was, but we went into these playoffs saying, oh, there's so much pressure. I mean, everyone was saying it. There's so much pressure on Matthew Stafford. He's played awful. He's been terrible. He's going in. He can't possibly play well in the playoffs. That's why they got him. He stinks. Guess what? Matthew Stafford, to me, has played as well as any quarterback in the playoffs so far. Yeah, he's totally proven me wrong. I just was a doubter of him, and um, he's played like he played lights out against the Bucks. 100%. Now the Bucks look like a team. They look like a team that 
Uh, you know, you talked about, you know, will the Chiefs have it, have it mentally and physically dialed in? They looked to me like they thought they were going to win that game when they walked on the field. That's a cockiness yep. that you got to have. And I thought the Rams just completely outplayed them for three quarters and then started trying to get the, give the game away. But Stafford, he was – Well, Cam Akers was trying to give the sometimes. <laughs> yeah, good point. And, they, I mean, you forget Stafford physically – can make every throw in the in the book, and he made some unbelievable throws. The last throw to Cooper Cup, he's got Indomitian suit bearing down his face; he can hardly stride, and he still threw it 50 yards right on the money. Uh, that's a big time throw. Not many guys in the league can make. Uh, but I just there's something about the Niners defensively. I think D'Amico Ryan's, who's getting a lot of head coaching uh, interviews and interest, uh, I think he's done a tremendous job, and they are just scheme wise very difficult. They confused. Aaron Rodgers the other night. I mean, they drove down the field, the Packers, in that opening drive, and I was like, what is going on? I, I mean, the, they just went right through them. I don't even think they even had a third down. Scored that touchdown. The rest of the game, uh, they shut them down. It reminded me a lot of what the Saints and Dennis Allen did did to Aaron Rodgers. They confused him, and I think they can do the same to Stafford. And I just – I love the, the Niners, but, uh, you know, I, I just – I don't know. I mean, the way uh, – the Rams responded last week, and the fact that they've lost so many of these games in a row, okay. it gives me a little bit of a pause. You know, Raheem Morris is doing a pretty good job as well, but of course he does have Aaron Donald and uh, and Von Miller, so that helps a little bit. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, they've got so much talent. Jalen Ramsey, I mean, look at these guys that they've acquired <laughs> you know, the last few years in trades. It's crazy. They have like an all-star team. Uh, but I, I'm with you, J.D. I think both games are going to be – Fantastic! I can't wait to watch them. Uh, that was just great theater. I tweeted it out. I've said it a bunch of times, but the NFL is just unbelievable content. It I mean, really you is. You can't find it in any other form of entertainment. You can't have any drama series that can match the theater that they put on. It's just, it's fantastic. Baseball is still my favorite sport, but you can't beat the football playoffs. You just can't. Um, it, it's, it's, you can't wait for next Sunday to come. Um, and it's going to be that way this week. And I think I agree with you that uh, we're going to have a lot of drama. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I can't wait to, to pick against you again this week. Dunk, thanks for coming on the podcast and, uh, and shedding some light on all the things that are going on. Always a pleasure, my friend. Anytime, J.D. You have a good one. We'll talk again soon, bud. All right, man. Didn't expect to go that long with Jeff Duncan, but obviously we had a lot of things to talk about. And uh, I don't know if you feel any better or worse about Sean Payton's situation. I guess I feel worse. 50-50. Um, and I guess now looking at it, I guess that's about right. You got to think, right? You know, Gail Benson doesn't even know, and no one inside the organization knows, and he's right. Uh, Sean Payton probably doesn't know. So I guess we'll learn a lot more in the, in the coming days. But... Um, who that's got to be worrying a little bit. I mean, even if he leaves and Dennis Allen takes over, uh, whoever it is, when you lose a coach of that stature, things change. It works out for some, not so much for others. You know, when Bill Walsh left the 49ers, George Seifert came in and did a wonderful job, and 49ers were able to win the Super Bowl not long after. Um, and they had to do it with Joe Montana leaving. The difference is they had Steve Young. And they had Jerry Rice. You know, Bill Parcells left the Giants. 
Tom Coughlin won two Super Bowls. But it, it took a little while. They got Eli Manning, and the course of their franchise changed for years, and now the Giants are in a hole. So it works out in places, and it doesn't work out in others. Tom Landry left the, the Cowboys in a completely different situation, I guess, but uh, Jimmy Johnson comes in, and it took them a while, but they won Super Bowls. It's not an easy situation to be in, and it's a, you know, it's one thing to lose a Hall of Fame quarterback that you were used to for so long, for 15 years, but you just think of, I mean, as much as Drew Brees meant to this franchise, Sean Payton is always the backbone and has always been the backbone and is the backbone of this team. And uh, to go forward without him would be a different transition than the one we had. Again, what I said in my open about you knew Drew Brees' tenure was coming to an end. You had a fair enough warning that it was coming to an end. This one was uh, kind of a hit out of the blue. And there were you know, rumors back in November about him potentially going to the Bears. That's not going to happen. He's not going to the Bears. He's not going to the Cowboys. He's not going to any other team. But there is certainly a chance that he does take a break. And if he takes a break, the Saints have to move on. It's not like he's going to take a break and come back in a year. It doesn't work that way. You don't. It's not like you're a teacher and you take a sabbatical and you come back in a year. just doesn't work that way in the NFL. If he takes a break, the Saints have to move on. And he may come back with someone else eventually, a.k.a. the Dallas Cowboys. And Mike McCarthy has another season like he had this year, and he flops in the playoffs and he goes to Dallas, which is maybe what he wants. And that's the way around it. Who knows? But it's going to be a weird week. If it takes a week, it's going to be a weird week. We're going to have to sit and wait. That's all we can do now. The ball's in his court. We'll talk more about it on Friday. Um, supposed to have Marlon Favorite on today. I know I told you that the other day, but uh, Big Fave had some things going on, and so we uh, it just kind of worked out that, um, you know, it's weird. I was going to have Duncan come in. When Big Fave told me yesterday that he couldn't come on. He's going to come on Friday before Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick and we make our picks. So uh, we'll talk more about picks for the playoffs this weekend. And obviously we'll talk about Sean Payton with Marlon Favorite on Friday. Um, so we have a lot to talk about with Datitude. If something were to break before Friday, we'll, we would probably do a show um, before then. Don't expect anything to happen before then. You never know. Again, it's not... He's not going to take a long time. It's not going to take a long time for Sean Payton to make a decision. Like we said, it's too important to this franchise. He's not going to drag this out like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not chastising him for it, but Drew Brees kind of held on both last year and the year before. When he decided to come back, he waited a long time. Um, this isn't going to take that long. I would bet that we know one way or the other what's going to happen with Sean Payton by this time next week, if not sooner. Um, he's just not going to leave this team in the lurch. So 
That'll do it. Uh, again, I want to thank Jeff Duncan for coming on uh, with the busy morning that he, he had. Obviously, uh, trying to find out what's going on. And it's, it's tough to do. Uh, it's not the same world in the local journalism world, like, like Dunk said. Um, it's not as easy for us to find out things we used to be able to find out uh, as easily, um, especially with this franchise. This is the most close to the vest, if not the most close to the vest, certainly top two or three teams in the league to cover because they don't, they don't say a whole lot, which is fine. That's good for them. They know how to keep things close to the vest. Um, but we want to know, right? And we'll know soon enough. So we'll be talking about that again on Friday with Marlon Favorite. And um, who knows? Uh, maybe Conductor Dave will be in tears by then. We And Uncle Big Nick will be laughing as his 49ers move on to the NFC Championship game. Uh, we will be talking about Saints. We'll be talking about our playoff predictions and all that good stuff coming up. In the meantime... Don't forget to check out all of our good stuff at NOAA.com slash sports slash Saints for Saints news and then bet.nola.com. Uh, we'll have things going on. Hey, it's a big weekend in the betting world in Louisiana. Uh, we fully expect Caesar's Sportsbook app to be ready to go and potentially other betting apps to be ready to go. We're hoping by Friday. Uh, that could change a lot of things. So we have a lot of content for you up on bet.nola.com. If you're new to the gambling world, uh, check us out. We have a Sports Betting 101 page. If you're just getting into it, hey, now's a good time. Championship game's coming this weekend, and you can bet your Super Bowl futures. I'll talk about all that. That's My NFL Picks column will be coming out on Thursday. On bet.nola.com, we'll have our um, At the Book show on Thursday. Devin Jackson will be live at Harris uh, Casino. And uh, Zach Ewing and myself will be on virtually have our show that comes on Thursday at 4 o'clock live on bet.nola.com on our YouTube page, which is you can go to YouTube and search for nola.com. Airs live every Monday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Um, and if you want to reach out to me, if you have a question for Friday's show or you just have a comment or something, we'll be happy to read it on the show. You can find me, on, uh, you can email me at jderry at theadvocate.com. Or tweet me, at Jim Derry Jr. We'll be happy to respond to you. Thanks to all of my loyal listeners. And if you're new to the show, we'd love to have you back. Just search for Datitude anywhere you listen to your podcast. And um, new shows come out every Tuesday and Friday in the offseason. And again, if something breaks before Friday, we will probably have a show and, uh, and talk to you then. But before then, stay warm, stay dry. Hey, remember, hug the ones you love, just just smile at the ones you don't, okay? We'll talk to you on Friday. Peace and love, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>